everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial, episode number nine, Tomorrow Never Dies. I'm Gav. I'm Dave. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. And we are four lads from Liverpool who love to sit around and bitch about films. You could say we're the 51st debate. Very nice. Oh, you like that one? Very nice, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you could look at it one way as I've just made a really triumphant pun, or you could look at it another way as I've just run out of bands that came from Liverpool (laughs) to make a pun on. It's the first time I haven't been embarrassed, really. (laughs) (laughs) Just in this podcast or in general life. Uh, Anyway, just to say, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, we recreate a courtroom scenario and we put films on trial. There are four roles within this. The role of a judge, prosecutor, defence and a character witness. And the thing is, is that we don't know what film we're going to do next. We just pull it out of our hat at random along with the roles. So it might be a case that you have to prosecute a film that you love or defend a film that you hate. We also have lots of fun stuff like trivia, banter, news and... Quizzes! You like quizzes, don't you, Dave? Love them. Love them. <laughs> so, before we actually get started on the bulk of the show, which is Films on Trial, we're going to do one of our most uh, topical parts of the show, which is the news. And wait for it, everyone. Nice. Nice, very good. Very like nice. Yeah. You like that, yeah? Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's getting better and better. Yeah, yeah, so I thought this time around it maybe, you know, sync it with something that was relevant like the film we were doing instead of just bashing on it like an angry bear <laughs> so anyway uh, without further ado Alex what is your news point of the week okay so uh, this is something I thought was very interesting uh, did you see that Angelina Jolie's gotten a spot of bother for her recent film the oh, casting I, I did read this so it's called the film's called First They Killed My Father it's about um, under Pol Pot in Cambodia about the Khmer Rouge but uh, yeah, she she actually gave an uh, an interview herself to Vanity Fair, where she said they set up a casting game where they put money on the table. They went to um, they went on the streets in Cambodia and got like poor children off the streets. So they were poor children, and uh, they put money on the table and asked the child to think of something they needed the money for. Then they snatched it away. The director would pretend to catch the child, and the child would have to come up with a lie for why they took took the money. Obviously. Well, I don't know if it's obvious, but to me, obviously, that was kind of seen as possibly a little bit cruel and a little bit um, not very thoughtful. And, uh, yeah, she's gotten quite a lot of hot bother, especially as she is the, I think she's a UN um, refugee. Yeah, she works, she's a goodwill ambassador. So the kids didn't get the money? No, no, they didn't get the money. And lots of them didn't get the role. So only one of them got the role. That's, that's really cruel. <laughs> no, that's the same. Uh, in fact, she thinks Stray Mock, I think that's how you pronounce it, got the part because she stared at the money for a very, very long time. And when she was forced to give it back, she became overwhelmed with emotion. And when she was asked what she, the money was for, she said, because her grandfather had just died and they didn't have enough money for a nice funeral. So, yeah, you can sort of see why Angelina Jolie is. She's, she's come out saying that she's being, it's being misrepresented. It was a casting game. It wasn't really oh, A casting game? Yes. Mm. yes. Just for the lols. I know. Let's, let's mistreat these poor children yeah. just because we can so yeah so uh, it's, 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 it's just Hollywood gone nuts it's very cool yeah it's almost like a trick out of the Joel Schumacher producer's book of <laughs> casting people it's a uh, yeah that's 
that, that is horrible especially as what, 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 it's a UN rep to be going around and, and do, even if it was a game it is still yeah, yeah. incredibly cruel as you said I mean even if the children were to get some sort of financial incentive if they were to get some money at the end of it it would still be a cruel game yeah, yeah. but when you add in the fact that they didn't even get anything from it is even cooler it, it, if it is true it does seem a little exploitative to be honest with yeah, you it's yeah. like you know the, the kids are there to act they're, they're looking for an acting audition can you not just say let's pretend I just gave you money yes just yeah, do that yeah. instead of putting it on the Actually table and putting the money on yeah. the front of and, 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 and like this is what Angelina Jolie herself said in an interview so she clearly didn't think she'd done anything wrong you know she you know, genuinely didn't she was saying this herself so yeah, a bit, bit mad. It, it may have been taken out of context. There may be another side to this. You know, it may have been misrepresented. We don't know. Yeah, maybe. But maybe. I think if it's just the bare facts are that they had money in a room with impoverished children from slums. Mm. That's get them to act with it like a pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's not, if they had those things. Yeah. Mm. Bit much, isn't it? So, Joel, what is your news piece of the week? Well, my news is about the Dark Tower, which I think all of us were looking forward to, mm-hmm. has risen to the top of the box office in the US. Obviously, it's not out over here yet. We're, we're doing this on the, the 7th of August, not out over here yet, but apparently it's been heavily slated. Mm-hmm. The, the reviews are all bad. I don't think there's... I, I don't <laughs> think I've seen many good ones, to be honest, but, you know, it, it's pushed Dunkirk to second place, the Emoji movie... Girls Trip it's beating all those um, all those films to number one so you know people are still going to see it but it is very disappointing that it's got such bad scores I mm. think to be honest I may wait yeah until, not, until it's gone from the cinema no yeah. until you've died <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was really looking forward to it to be honest um, but yeah the reviews aren't good are they they're really bad I mean I, I, I assumed this is the worst thing I assumed it was just going to be amazing I as well. you know I, I just didn't even it didn't even enter my head that it couldn't and Idris Elba Matthew McConaughey Stephen King love the book like it'd be really hard to mess it up well, you were a real big fan of the series weren't you yeah yeah massive read all the books really good uh, but I think what there seems like the issue I was a bit surprised when I was reading the review because it seems like they've, they've gone through quite a few of the books in just one film Whereas I thought, yeah, maybe you could do one book, maybe a little bit of the second book, but it seems like they've tried to cram a lot mm. into this one film. Mm. The review I read said everyone's just given up, gives up halfway through. So yeah, yeah, I, I read a review and said Matthew McConaughey is dead behind the eyes. That wasn't talking about the Dark Tower film, though. That was just in general. <laughs> so, now it does kind of. It looks like it's very disjointed. It looks like, but it sounds like there was a lot of pre-production and post-production editing Uh, it sounds like there was some issues with studio execs as well it's just one of those things I mean if Stephen King has had anything to do with it as well (laughs) and not to it's the kiss of death really I was going to say yeah yeah Yeah, he's such a great storyteller and if you created a a, a piece of of work uh, you know the really incredible story and then somebody came along and said I want to adapt that into a film you would be overly protective wouldn't you you'd want to have every part of that book represented but that's the, that's the key word though isn't it adapt and when you when you let when you give it to someone to adapt the film it's like they've got the right then to make it a film he's really good like at novels I mean you know he's one of my favourite writers I think he's really underrated 
but he's not a filmmaker there is a difference isn't it when you adapt it mm. to the big screen you know? there was a number of times you know, you're reading these books and you do think <laughs> you could never do this in film yes that would not yeah, transfer yeah. it's yeah. great in your mind's eye when you're imagining how this is yeah. going to play out but you think if someone tried to visualise it for you yes. it's not going to work no. I think The Dark Tower is, is definitely one of the ones that falls under that category yeah. of a really good book but is it going to work as well on a film because it, it could have I, I think he reckon that's why that's why I was so excited because I thought they could get this right if they did but yeah, it sounds like they could it have made a better miniseries or do you reckon it would be kind of a stand kind of scenario where it's like oh yeah it, should, it would have made a good miniseries this wasn't it yeah no yeah, it's true yeah <laughs> mm. yeah well uh, on to my piece of news of the week and it's the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger has come out and said that not only is he making a sequel to Twins, but he's also making a sequel to The Terminator. Well, he's already said that he's going to do another three, but he's definitely signed on for Terminator 6, and he's going to do another Conan film as well. So this was up until the 90s, like, say, 1994, a guy who who said he didn't want to do any sequels. I think the only previous one that he'd done was Conan the Barbarian. Was it Conan the Destroyer? Anyway, he'd done a sequel to Conan. He'd done Terminator 2 by then. And then he did Terminator 2. Why did he not want to do sequels? What, because of like artistic reasons? Yeah, yeah, because he said... Oh, yeah, honestly, that's what it was. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, really. he genuinely, he said... He, he honestly said, if you've got a film and it's good enough, then why go back and kind of muddy the water and make a sequel? Now, it's literally all for the money. So, uh, does anybody in this room know what... The sequel to Twins is going to be called. Have I just said it? I didn't think so. No, you didn't say it. Okay, so what, what do you know what it's going to be called? Triplets. Yes, triplets. Oh. Okay, so the whole gag there, there was a very, very big sight gag in the 80s film, was the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger was this giant, hulking, you know, bulk of a man. And his twin, separated the bear, was Danny DeVito, who was a very, very short, overweight man. And that was the sight gag. Do you know what the side gag is for the third film? So is it is Danny DeVito coming back? Danny DeVito's coming back for it. And they're going to have another brother. <laughs> they're going to have another brother. That okay. they, that they do I was going to say the side gag, maybe making it a female, making a sister, but that, good. That is a good one. Yeah. Much better. Right. <laughs> what about a uh, African American? Oh, yes. What the rock? Really? No, Eddie Murphy. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh I, 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 yeah. I, I, I love. I loved Eddie Eddie Murphy. I think up until <laughs> up until like the, the like the beginning of the noughties, I really really liked Eddie Murphy. A little bit too for you. A little bit, man. That was the, that was oh my way. That was the icing on the shit on the, on the big shit sandwich. Was Norbert to be honest? No, he, he just started for me. You know with. The Naughty Professor series, I think, mm. he just started being very lazy with his choices. Series, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's the thing. He, he, he stopped taking original projects on, and then he just started doing that sort of thing where I won't be in a film unless I play at least two or three characters in it. And the scripts got start getting lazier. His options start getting lazier as well. And it got to the point where, as you said, he was, you know, until recently, what was it, 2007, he was in uh, Dreamgirls, mm-hmm. and he was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Bowfinger, that was, I love yeah, Bowfinger. Yeah, Bowfinger was good as well. Yeah. But, you know, you, you can't do Dreamgirls and then do Norbert as well. You can't follow up Dreamgirls with Norbert, yeah. you know what I mean? Bowfinger, now you mention it, he does play two different parts in that film. Yeah, exactly. He does often. He, he, yeah, he does, he does that, doesn't he? Yeah. He also loves raising his eyebrow on the posters of all of his films. <laughs> <laughs> 
go back and look at them all. But uh, yeah, to, to me, uh, I, this, this rumor that uh, is. is Publisher was uh, his, his agent said to him, "Right, you, you're nominated for an Oscar for Dream Girls, but Norbert's coming out at the same time. That could be damaging to your chances <laughs> right? for obvious reasons because it is ridiculously racist and unfunny. Yeah. So do us a favour, don't go out on the publicity trail, don't advertise." And he's like, "No, no, no, no. I'm happy with the film. I'm going to go out and do all that." So he did it, and obviously, you know, the Oscars committee probably wasn't too happy. So no, he, he got this, the snub for it. But that's not my main issue with the film. That it's it's going to be Eddie Murphy in 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 the, in the role. I just think it's a very very lazy sight gag. I just think it's it's also just do we really need a sequel to it? Are you going to go and watch it? Yes, of course I am. <laughs> then they've won. Because yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Derek Vito are already you know, won. To an extent, yeah. Eddie Murphy as well. The, you know, the fact the fact is, I just think it's, it's just going to be a lazy sequel that we don't really need. It's just going to be literally cashing in off this first one. There's there's no way that there's going to be anything original. And the fact is that it's called Triplets, so you just know it's going to be one of those sequels that recreates what happened in the first one. But it's like a parody of what you think these movie execs office, offices are like. You know, if you heard that, you'd think it was a joke, but yeah. it's not. That's, it's real. So anyway, Dave, what is your piece of news for the week then? Um, I wasn't going to do this one because it is at the moment just hearsay. It's not been confirmed. But then I thought it's topical, given that the film of the week is Tomorrow Never Dies. Mm-hmm. So I thought the news that is starting to bubble away there is saying that uh, Daniel Craig has signed on for not one, but two more Bond films we were wondering would he do another one I'm sure this has been a new segment before will we get one more Bond film out of Craig we're getting two by the sounds of it mm. I'm just wondering what people thought well I, I think it could be good I mean I think it's it's one of those things where Skyfall made quite a lot of money I mean I don't think anybody in this room particularly liked it but I like Skyfall alright okay I don't think ever. <laughs> obviously <laughs> me and Alex didn't like it but Joel you probably liked it as well but the thing is is it you know Skyfall was good that was probably his best one yeah really? what better than Casino Royale yeah. I'd say Casino Royale and Skyfall have been brilliant because Quantum of Solace was not so good and Spectre was very disappointing both of them no I, I liked the other one what was the, what was the one where, where he had that Home Alone-esque sequence at the very end of it that's Skyfall oh I, I was talking about Spectre yeah no, Spectre right. was shit yeah, yeah, right, okay, yeah, yeah. Right, sorry I'm getting my Daniel Craig one word uh, beginning with S films confused <laughs> with each other yeah uh, Skyfall was good very good actually uh, even the Home Alone bit at the end mm. Actually, go back. I'm thinking that it wasn't good. I'm going to stop by yeah, my original it, it, point. It, it, was, it was not a good film. Like, no. the, yeah, no. Remember, like, it, come, it turns out Albert Finney is his gameskeeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one else knows? I mean, Apparently. Yeah, I, I like to see Albert Finney getting work. I don't know why you. Apparently they wanted Sean Connery for that role. I know. That's, like why they, that's why they had it. I know. Thank and he God. said, no, I only do terrible films. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, Spectre was, was bad there, wasn't it? It was bad. But it would be good to kind of let him redeem himself after that. And, you know, give well, the series a chance uh, like, to redeem itself. Uh, like, cri- critically, it's not Sam Mendes, I've heard, that's directing. They, he's not coming back, apparently. No. no so, which is so. great, because I really didn't like Sam Mendes, what he was doing. No. Really no, hated him. So, yeah. Just get Martin Campbell. He's the guy who did um, GoldenEye and Casino Royale. Yeah, just, get, yeah, yeah. just get Martin Campbell like, to do all the bombs. I don't know why they don't. It's like, it's the yeah. best films, you know, in, in the last twenty years of Bond. But honestly, well, you look at you look at it. it literally last more than twenty now, yeah. isn't it? So nineteen ninety four. So like, say nearly twenty five years. 
bonds there was two slump moments wasn't it so in the early 90s it was like oh what are we going to do with this series got Martin Campbell in rejuvenated it Goldeneye became the most successful Bond film of all time and then you know what was it yeah. 2000 2001 I can't remember when Casino Royale was oh no it was much later than that yeah. wasn't it mm. so um, once again it went through a slump it had Dime of the Day in 2001 which and then, was and then, and then my god the worst one, one of the worst films ever made yeah not Bond bad just all bad yeah, yeah. I, I pretend it never happened and I'm a massive Bond fan yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then what, Martin Campbell came along again and rejuvenated the whole thing again with uh, yeah so what the hell is he not given why is he not maybe he doesn't want him maybe. do you reckon he's yeah. like the Tony Pulis of the film director world he just waits for things to go really badly and <laughs> saves you from relegation <laughs> <laughs> saves you from relegation then naffs off again <laughs> Joel what do you reckon because you're a big Daniel Craig Bond fan aren't you yeah you know I'm pleased that he's coming back and I think you know just going off the uh, director I don't think I would want to do every single one you know I think it's good just to come because mm. if you think about it he's coming back at a time when the series is pretty bad so you could probably only really go up from there exactly get Martin Campbell back in <laughs> but and what, you, so would you prefer to see different directors each time yeah I think it's good I mean it's working for, yeah. for Star Wars at the moment um, so you know I think it's a, it it's keeps, it, it keeps it fresh doesn't it keeps the franchise fresh yeah the Avengers uh, kind of Marvel Cinematic Universe that the same sort of thing isn't it each mm. one has a different spin on the same story on mm. it furiously shaking his head <laughs> yeah so so, you know, so we're more or less happy that Daniel Craig's back for Bond yeah, unless yeah. it turns out to be shy he's given him a chance he's done some good yeah. yeah okay so that is the end of the news this week thank you very much and now moving on to another regular part of the show it is our trailer slash poster of the week and this week we're going to talk about the second trailer second official trailer for the It movie so I just want to start this one off sorry guys with the fact that I was a massive fan of the book and I was a massive fan of the original TV miniseries for the first time I watched it and I also did you like you really like the, the miniseries when I was a kid I absolutely loved right. it I thought Tim Curry was amazing and then when I went back later on I thought it was a bit long and bloated but I was a huge huge fan of the marketing of this film I thought they did a tremendous job I, I you know every part of it to be honest the the teasers of of what it was going to look like the fact that you never really saw his face they released mm. a, a poster for it and it was just a bloom covering the clown's face when they released the first trailer you never really had a good glimpse of it or Pennywise when the, the only part where you did see the, the clown was when it came up through a swamp in a, in a basement and it was all covered in water and seaweed and, and whatnot, and it looked obviously different to what it would normally look like in the film so that was the only reveal that you had and then they had all these little teaser trailers here and there they had like missing posters going around they had like kind of red balloons being released it all looked superb I was thinking that is how you do it you don't reveal your big body you don't reveal your big suspenseful bit you keep it shrouded in mystery until people get into the cinema to see it and then you will unleash on them and they're like wow this is so much more impactful and then they made this second trailer and it just it all up well he speaks doesn't he I mean not only just just see Pennywise Pennywise actually speaks is that right yeah, yeah. yeah you actually hear him talk I, I wouldn't have minded you seeing him, his face close up I wouldn't have minded that they gave away two really big scares 
two scenes where yeah. the clown is running straight yeah. at the camera. It's basically like you might as well just not watch those scenes when you go to the cinema because yeah. yeah. you know how you, that, know. you know as soon as that kid in glasses is in the attic. I mean, the jump scare. You know, so if you know it's coming, you're not going to jump. Yeah, yeah. especially yeah. me. Yeah. You're like really a wimp anyway. But. <laughs> Yeah, I, I sat next to you during Woman in Black. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Man in Brown and ends up with that. Yeah, it was the play we were seeing, and we sat next to each other in the theatre, and yeah, we were bouncing around on that one. <laughs> I said, yeah, that was good, that, though. Uh, Dave, what did you think of the, the trailer? I d- d- I'm concerned, but I'm concerned because it, it suggests that they don't have faith in the finished product. The first trailer that came out was for the fanboys. It's for the people like yourself or us that have read the books or like the miniseries or know the material anyway. There was just enough to tantalise people to get them interested. I'm wondering if now it's finished, now they're about to release it, they're not happy with the, with the amount of interest it's got and this is just going at it a bit like a Neanderthal. Mm-hmm. It's it's trying to lure in the people that just go to see shock horror films. Yeah. It's like, it's the sort of thing you like. It's like, you like jump scares? We've got plenty of them. And it's just trying to get in the people that don't necessarily know the material, that aren't Stephen King fans and it's just... Trying to appeal to a wider yeah. audience, which is one thing, yeah. but it does suggest maybe they've not got as much faith in the film that they should have, and they are just making a preemptive strike now to peak interest amongst the masses. I, I think this is pretty common. Though. I mean, there's very rarely do you get the the last trailers that come out. Well, not the teaser ones, but you know the main trailer when it comes out. Pretty much, they always now constantly tell you too much. Like you yeah. know, um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. That gave away lots of jokes in the in the film that you know as soon as it came up in in the film just weren't funny at all. So yeah. I think they just need to like reevaluate how they do trailers because right. oh, to be honest, I think we just need to stop watching. I'm I'm honestly going to stop watching trailers. I, I I agree to be honest. What it seems like to me, as I've said this before, is that they have X amount of, of dollars, millions of dollars of budget, and they spend ninety nine percent of it on the production on the wages on the crew on the settings on everything and then they're left with a small small percentage for the post-production stuff like arranging the marketing campaign arranging like the tour and also the poster and the trailer and it almost always looks the same you look at any Avengers any sort of Marvel Cinematic Universe poster and trailer they're almost exactly the same it's the floating head thing where it's just characters come, yeah. come and watch this post, uh, come watch this film because the poster is a large picture of Anthony Hopkins head on it you know oh I know Anthony Hopkins is in it now because there's his big head you know it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way Sir Anthony's big head <laughs> sorry sorry Sir Tony <laughs> and the saying about trailers the, the what really annoys me is whenever it's the Super Bowl season and you get those teaser trailers during the Super Bowl and they're about five minutes long and it's just you do not need it's to not see teaser. five minutes worth yeah, of yeah. films exactly. they showed uh, the Winter Soldier Captain America 2 and there was that bit where sorry spoiler alert but the floating ship of the sh- of S.H.I.E.L.D. completely crashes right, and yeah. it's destroyed and that was in the trailer and you're like well I know that's going to happen now I know that the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. ship is going to be completely decimated but it's just too much and you were talking about marketing this film to people. What more do you need to say? It's a horror film about a clown. People are going to watch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, if you want to see a horror film about a clown, exactly. Yeah. I think a, a, a clown. I mean, their interest more. We know that, like, let's like say the shot of the, the with the red balloon in front of his face. That's brilliant, isn't it? 
Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's another idea from Gav. <laughs> I decided to respond to you in, in just monosyllabic and xylophone tones. Uh, no, it's uh, you know uh, phobias of clowns. That's probably one of the biggest right. phobias of That's all time. Isn't clowns, yeah. So if you want to see a horror film, if you want to get really scared, if you've got a phobia of clowns, even if you haven't, come and see it, and that should be it, really. Anyway, well. And now on to the main part of the show, which is the film on trial. As we said before, this week's film is Tomorrow Never Dies. And if you haven't heard the show before, basically we have four roles. Uh, One is the prosecutor, who will be played by my good self. The other role is the defense, which this week is going to be played by Alex. And then we have a character witness, who's going to be Dave. Now, Dave's role is to throw some weight behind either side of the argument, so he will basically just give his opinion if he agrees with the defence or if he agrees with the prosecution. And then we have the main role in this show, which is the judge, who is an impartial figure. Just remember that. Impartial. (laughs) And they have to decide or make their final decision based entirely on the arguments that are put forward today, not using their own opinion. And at the end of it, the film will be either placed on the hit list, joining the likes of Star Wars Episode 4 and Shudder the Hangover, <laughs> or, <laughs> or it will be placed on the shit list with Alien 3 and Shudder, how is this on the shit list, Suspiria. <laughs> so, before we actually start the podcast, I think we should try another episode of Quiz Dave. Coming out swinging this one, yeah. Yeah, coming out swinging. Uh, I've actually thought of another song this week for Quiz Dave. Quiz Dave is taking its toll on me. Dave said goodbye. (laughs) So basically, I'm just going to replace the word this with quiz from now on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks, thanks. So uh, I've been inspired by the title so I'll get a sly dig in now Tomorrow Never Dies is an awful title for Bond film oh, wow. just a generally awful <laughs> title altogether so this this week's quiz is called uh, Tomorrow Never Dies or 007 Never Dies translating Bond titles into foreign languages <laughs> so here I have eight Bond titles in different foreign languages and I'm going to say them to Dave and Dave has just got to tell me what the Bond film is. Are you happy with that, Dave? Yeah, okay, I'll give it a go. go. I'll give it a go. Okay, number one, 007 and The Look of Death from Finland. The Look of Death. The Look of Death. Ah, I'm thinking maybe a voodoo thing, maybe Living and Die. Everyone, mm, yeah, happy with you and um, I'd, I'd say view to a kill. kill. I'd go with that. Yeah, because I just, oh, I just <laughs> nearly said a view to a kill. It is a view to a kill, yeah. Well or, in France, great title, Dangerously Yours. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so number two, this one is from Sweden and it is Agent 007 Sees Red. Sees Red. Sees Red. Mm. Well, is it maybe Goldeneye if it's a literal translation? Is it Goldeneye? Dr. Nome, maybe? I don't know. Joe? Clueless, to be honest with you, I can't. It's not clueless with Alicia <laughs> <laughs> no, It's from Russia with love. Oh. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, we've got some great uh, alternative titles here. Uh, from Denmark, 007 is being chased. And, what, really? Yeah. And from Belgium, love and kisses from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it sounds great in Spanish. So, yeah. Okay, and um, from Sweden is Ice Cold Mission. 
Ice cold. Um, maybe Dime of the Day. Day. That was that was pretty cold. No, it's uh, the Living Daylights. Or is there a bit? Is, oh yeah, there is. There's a, there's a brief bit, but it ends brief. in Afghanistan. So yeah. <laughs> in Germany, it was called Breeze of the Death. <laughs> <laughs> They're very casual about this. Aren't they? <laughs> or in Argentina, it was his name is Danger. Uh, okay, on to only because he might say the Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> right, number four, we've got a quick one: 007 and the Atomic Blackmail from Brazil. The atomic blackmail. The atomic blackmail from Brazil. No, no, the, the, it's from, from the. Oh, from Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> Boys from Brazil. The atomic blackmail from Brazil. Uh, oh, well. Atomic blackmail. I've got a good guess. I've got a good guess. Here. I'm going to say maybe Goldeneye again. I'd say Goldfinger. Gold. Spiral of me. You're all terrible. It's Thunderball. The atomic oh, blackmail. He does, does steal nuclear warheads. Uh, well, when don't they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Here's a, finally an easy one for you guys from Italy. Operation Space. No, Moonraker, surely. Moonraker, yes, yes. Or the alternative Brazilian name, 007 and the Death Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not laughing at you, Brazil. We're laughing at you. <laughs> Here's a good one. And double, this is from Argentina. Uh, 007 versus the Deadly Girls. Mm. Oh, really? Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Goldeneye. Mm. No. Uh, oh, uh, the world is not enough. No. Octopussy. Oh my uh, god. He wasn't bigger allies. Come uh, on. They must have got confused with all those eight ladies in there. Uh, or its alternative title is Octofanny. <laughs> from uh, from me, but <laughs> Okay, uh, number seven and the penultimate one on the list from Italy, license to kill. And it's not license to kill. <laughs> and it's not license to kill though. Uh yeah, I don't know. Uh, an early one? Doctor Nat. Yeah, we could, yeah, maybe. I know Majesty's Secret Service. Stop saying that, Majesty's Secret Service. I'm going to go with Goldeneye again. Stop saying Goldeneye. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Doctor No. Alex was right. Hey. And the last one, Private Revenge. This one's from Italy. License to Kill, maybe? It is License to Kill. Well done, you see what it did there. Anyway, so that was another spanking edition of Quiz Dave. On to the actual film on trial. And I'll pass over to Joel. Okay, so I'm the judge this week. I think last time I judged uh, Gavin and Alex was superior. And there was, oh, yeah, there was so much messing about. You're going to crack down this time. Okay. going to mark you down. Um, Gav's already been stroking it like under the table <laughs> that was before we'd actually started recording though so we're going to do two topics each and because Gav has never won one we're going to start with Alex Oh, <laughs> that is pretty harsh no no it's just factually correct <laughs> it's not it's just true until hey, now right well I'm just going to you know I was thinking about turning the dice and you know, you know I, got, I got drawn as defence and to be honest, I do actually. This film is the perfect Bond film. I mean, it is absolutely. No, it is. Oh, oh, oh. It is what? Slap bang on Bond by numbers. I mean, it is seven seconds into it, and you're already clutching Objection. Uh, it is absolutely perfectly a Bond film. It's got the gadgets, it's got the car chase sequences, it's got Bond girls, it's got the outlandish plot, it's got the villains, it's got really memorable sequences in it. It is absolutely bang on um, a Bond film. And what I liked about it is, sort of when you think about Bond films that have come out recently, you think about um, 
you know, they're sort of trying to subvert it, they're trying to put a twist on it. I like Tomorrow Never Dies. It's the perfect Sunday afternoon Bond film. Just when you know you know what's coming, it's great, great fun. So yeah, no, I I I am going to go out there and say it is one of the best. Well, no, it's it's just a perfect Bond film, and it? it just hits all of those different things you absolutely want when you sit down to watch uh, watch it. It's got a good lot of casting characters, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it does. It has a, has a lovely a lot of casting characters. Uh, I think Pierce is looking good in this film. You know, he's come out of Golden Eye. He's uh, he's looking good. You know, he's later on he didn't quite. We all know Pierce Brosnan looks good. <laughs> and then yeah, and it's got a really good villain as well. So you know, it, from my point of view, I feel this just sort of nails all the things you want from a Bond film. Gavin, oh, if you finished that, I have finished. Right, well, I'm not going to talk about the characters because I'm going to go into full detail about them a little later on <laughs> and explain just why Alex is so incorrect. But I will talk about your point of bond by numbers and your verbatim quote of this is the perfect bond film. <laughs> <laughs> from a guy who one of your favourite films is from Russia with Love, is it? Yes, yeah. that, that is the best bond Sorry, so that, that's the perfect Bond film, not this one. This is the perfect Bond film following in Sean Connery's beautiful wake. You know? <laughs> right. It, no, it no. Is, when people say Bond films, like, you know, you have certain expectations, don't you? Tomorrow Never Dies completely, like, bullseye hits all those expectations. Would you disagree? I would disagree, to be honest. I would say it's the perfect Bond film as created by a GCSE media student. Oof. Literally, it is as you said before, bond by numbers. It is so formulaic to the point of almost being boring. It to is, the point, but not quite. <laughs> no, it's it's very bland, <laughs> but it's watchably bland. It's almost like beige. It's just it's nothing. I mean, I was trying to think of things that happened in the film before, and I was like, you've got this action set piece, you've got this bit, you've, you, you've got the BMW chase sequence in the car in the car park, you've got the bike. Go through the it's through all the it's all it is you've got all the jumping down the poster you've got many memorable bits right, you've got a, a Gavin Navas yeah, yeah, <laughs> as you said as you said the, those action scenes that you said before are all great don't get me wrong but they're, they're not original it's just the kind of best of Bond it's all things that we've seen before and in some instances like you were just saying about going down the side of, of the building on the poster it's not even best of Bond films it's just best in action that scene was a frame by frame story stolen from Die Hard the whole thing just screams of just unoriginality just things that were taken from films you mentioned about the gadgets before I mean it's getting to the silly stage now we've gone through the Roger Moore bits and now we're just before you get to Invisible Car we are on to the sort of silly territory now they're talking about like a stealth boat which I know that's not one of the gadgets but it's just a terrible part of the film the uh, over gadgets that Michelle Yeoh has there's a, a bit in it where she kind of Eliminates six or seven assassins, or she knocks one out, and then he gets back up, and then she presses a button where some sort of giant punching bag comes out of nowhere and hits him in the face. It's like something from Takeshi's Castle. It is just ridiculously unnecessary and stupid. And the gadgets themselves, they don't reek of of being a gadget that oh, you know, this is obviously really kind of corny, but Bond is going to use it later on, sort of thing. It's just like a really bad product placement. 
you mentioned about the BMW chase the fact that that was just an advert for BMW the whole thing was just like oh man this car is indestructible this car is so great it's just an advert for BMW his watches as well his phone the amount of times he gets that phone out and he's like oh let me answer my Samsung Galaxy phone it's just completely that's very oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that was obviously Piers Brosnan <laughs> offended but it, the whole thing is it, it, I, I, th- I read somewhere that it was the first film to be paid entirely from product placements yes. the whole the whole thing is because of that I feel like there's some action sequences that are written around the product placements I mean you've mentioned about it being uh, just bond by numbers you've got the the, the fact that um, you've got the misogyny in it that is just one whoa, of the things whoa that's not bond by numbers it, excuse me <laughs> whoa bond is the most misogynistic character ever created that is a fact Sean Connery Roger Moore you know it is a, it, it, that is a Stonewall fact I know I, I am criticised by everyone here for saying every week that no, all no, films I, I, I agree. are sexist often, I, often, I often agree on that but no in this film this is not a sexist film are you telling me that this is not a sexist I film I am telling you this is not a sexist film alright I'm going to start <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start you two um, and just pass it over to Dave because those two will just speak for two hours <laughs> Um, I've got to say I don't agree with either of them <laughs> I, think, I think Alex is going a bit too far when he says this is the perfect Bond film this is a distinctly average Bond film I think when everyone talks about Tomorrow Never Dies the normal response is eh, it was alright it's not good it's not bad it, it is Bond by numbers it's very formulaic and I think the reason for that I just want to have a little context the reason for that I think is because this is the first film they made without Albert could be Rockley mm-hmm. as producer he being the guy who's, who's driven the Bond films for the, since the start with Sean Connery passed away before this one was made were they afraid to start tampering with the formula that he laid out so soon after he passed so I think that's why it is so formulaic it's not the perfect Bond film however for that reason but nor as Gavin saying is it absolutely terrible it is alright there are some memorable action sequences I've got to say but Gav's right it is very gadget heavy it's probably the most gadget heavy Bond and I think that's that, that, that's the the hallmark of the Brosnan era, that the gadgets kind of ruled in this one, and the gadgets did start to get sillier and sillier as the Brosnan era progressed. So my, worth, worth bearing in mind. My main thing is just every time you see Q in the in the Brosnan films, especially this one, it's oh what my word is a ridiculous, <laughs> over elaborate gadget that you're never ever going to need. But, well, you know, you never needed it in any of the other 20 films that, that have been. But you will just need it for one scene later oh, on. Me, but this is, you, you, you're trying to get it hyper, it's not hyper realism, is it? It's a Bond film, so obviously they introduce it. You know the gadget's going to be used. It's fun. Like I say, I will, I will backtrack a little bit on the perfect Bond film. Right, okay, <laughs> possibly it's not the perfect Bond film. Because that was already done with Goldfinger. But Goldfinger introduced the gadgets and all that sort of thing. And this just is the perfect copy, carbon copy of a good Bond film, do you know what I mean? The gadgets are just put in there enough and yeah, you know, oh look this bit, this phone electrocutes a person who's in it, so obviously at some point someone's going to pick it up, you know it's going to happen that's the fun, that's what makes the Sunday nice, you know, the Sunday film feeling of it Wouldn't you like to see it, if like Q gives him a load of gadgets at the start, it's like here's a pen that if you click it turns all the bad guys in the room into pink elephants, like, I cannot wait to see him <laughs> use that, and then later at the end of the film it's like here's your pen back Q didn't yeah. need it, yeah, it just, that just never just came off Just a ton of gadgets, it just yeah. goes, actually I just needed ammunition yeah. <laughs> 
To be honest, it's just a, just a massive gun. That's just, just the fans waiting. I, I can't wait for him to use that gadget. And it's just like, oh, come on. <laughs> finally, finally, your expenses budget's been through the roof the most. <laughs> the amount of crazy shit you've been taking from my office. Okay, so, Gav, what's your second point going to be? Well... Considering that Alex touched upon it briefly before, mm-hmm. I would like to go into more detail about the abysmal characters that appear in this film. Interesting. Yeah, this bond by numbers does not paint them terribly. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Can you feel a knife going in? Oh, wow, yeah. That. So, <laughs> should we start off with James Bond? I mean, he's the biggest character in it, obviously. Uh, with this, I will admit, Bosman did a better job than Goldeneye. Not to say he was bad in Goldeneye, but he he had some sort of like nervousness towards the beginning. Uh, the beginning of, of uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, though, he seems more relaxed in the character. But that's not a good thing. The thing is, uh, this guy is not so much a spy as an unhinged, a merciless, bloodthirsty killer. <laughs> 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 there, there isn't a five minutes in this film where somebody isn't blown up it or does, killed. It's just a seriously high death rate. I think it's got one of the highest death tolls. In but, all the I mean, though. if you go back and you look at any of the other Bond films, he's he's sort of pinpoint in his in his shooting. He never uses unnecessary amount of bullets. If he needs one bullet, he'll he'll fire it. But with this, he's not even aiming at some points. He's literally got two guns <laughs> and he's just spraying them. <laughs> Actively into a crowd. Yeah, this is this is the good this is the good old fashioned nineties action, and this is what I really like. This is why it makes me go back to watching this film when it's on, and you're just flicking over, and you can see it. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I love the thing. I love that nineties thing. You know, we touched on this when we did Conair as well. 